Welcome everyone, this is Sasha of Moving Mountains. Today I have a wonderful guest reconnecting with me almost five years later. I have the pleasure of welcoming Julie Caraccio, who is an award-winning professional, life organizer, author, and certified life coach. Since 2009, she has supported thousands of people in clearing their clutter. She hosts a popular self-help podcast, Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out. She is a remarkable woman doing great work as a female entrepreneur and also an author. And help me welcome Julie. Julie, welcome back. Hey, thanks so much for having me again. It's good to be here. Because you're a professional who helps clear clutter in everyone's lives, how do you define clutter? I look at clutter a little bit differently than other people. My definition of clutter is this. Clutter is anything that prevents you from creating the life you choose, deserve, and desire. And so you can have clutter in your relationships, can have emotional clutter, can have energetic clutter, health clutter, you name it, it can be clutter. And what was your relationship with clutter before you embraced your higher calling with helping other people? Well, you know, I never had, I wouldn't say I had a lot of physical clutter. However, I definitely had a lot of emotional, spiritual, mental clutter. And I'm a big fan of personal development and personal growth. And so prior to starting my own business and working with people, I had to do a lot of inner work to clear my clutter. And, I'm, and it doesn't stop. Uh, you know, we'll always be learning my entire life and trying to be the best version of me. That's a, a lifelong process. Before you started focusing on clearing clutter, I believe you also owned and focused on organ, organization, right? You would go in yes, and I help did. people organize their lives. So how did it transition from organization to clutter? Well, the big aha moment for me, and I still do organization not as much was, and why I switched from that was because I was working with a client and she said, can we just talk? And I said, absolutely. And I said, you're the client. We'll do whatever you want. And so we ended up talking kind of the reasons why behind our clutter. And when I do physical organizing, it was always in, usually in a four-hour block because you could see progress had been made. And we spent the majority of that time, probably about three hours talking. And in that last hour, she was able to get organized and clear clutter. And so for me, that was a aha moment because I thought, you know what, we've got to clear the clutter before we get organized. And I'm more interested in supporting people in that because you can, if you have a bunch of stuff, you can organize it. But to me, when you declutter your life, you're creating abundance, you're creating freedom. You are welcoming all these great things into your life. So why not just clear our clutter as a starting point? And then if we need to get organized, absolutely do that. But clearing the clutter is what's most important. Typically, our physical reality is a reflection of what's going on within us. What are some of the causes that encourage people to collect 
physical clutter? That's a great question. So for someone, it might be they feel like they need to keep up with the Joneses, right? Because they see all these other people like, oh, I have, you know, I have to make sure I'm getting the latest and greatest. Or it might be a way to prop up their self-esteem. And sometimes it's about filling a void. If you don't feel good about yourself, then you might compensate for that by going out and buying a bunch of things. You know, you can get a little further in and, you know, when you get to the hoarding level, that's because of a psychological challenge that's gone on. So it's mainly in my view to fill a void. And, and that can be a variety of things. And, you know, if you also, if you grew up in a house that had a lot of clutter, clutter or was chaotic, that is what you know. So clutter could be comforting to you as well. For those that coexist with hoarding and they come to you, what is there an anticipated timeline or how many stages of healing do they go through to resolve it? And does it ever come back into their life? Well, I wouldn't work with a hoarder because you need special training in that because there's a lot of stuff going on. I have worked with people who were very challenged is probably how I would put it with clutter. And so I've worked in conjunction with a therapist before because there were some things that, you know, were out of my purview that I felt like, you know what, you need someone, it's a little different than coaching, but you need a little more therapeutic support. So absolutely you can beat it. It doesn't have to come back, but remember it is a symptom. The clutter is a symptom of a larger problem. So if something else comes up or another trauma happens, then it can begin again. Because remember, that's kind of the knee-jerk reaction. So it's something, you know, also you have to be aware of. You have to know if you, even if you're not a hoarder and you buy and for 10 years you never remove anything from your home, then you're going to have a lot of clutter. And that's not going to go away overnight. So it's really an individualized process. And it's, you know, where you are and where you're able to go. It's been my experience, the more people release clutter, the easier it becomes. And then again, as you're working on clearing your physical clutter, let's look at your spiritual clutter. Maybe you need to forgive someone, and then if you're able to forgive them, that's like this huge aha moment, and you're able to release even more clutter. Does that make sense? Yes. And speaking of organizing and being accountable for our personal and professional spaces, uh, given the reality of the previous year, have you received more requests for assistance to work through the clutter? Virtually. I stopped when COVID was announced, I stopped going into homes. And I, other people have continued to go into homes until we're kind of in the all clear. I haven't been seeing people in person. I also have a very ill parent and I just wasn't willing to take any chances. And, and then also for me, I couldn't live with myself if, you know, if I had COVID and gave it to someone else, I just wasn't willing to take that risk. So Definitely virtually, but it's been interesting, and what excites me is people have been more wanting to dive a little deeper to understand what's behind my physical clutter, and to me, that's the exciting part, because when you get kind of the inner work, that sometimes can be a lot harder than releasing your physical items, so it's really about, I mean, that's where you have a personal growth happen and are really able to make great strides. Speaking of clients, do the clients seek you out or are they referred to you through a therapist or is there a mutual meeting 
of the past halfway? It was, I, I have gotten referrals from therapists, although that's a minimal part. It's usually people just find me by doing a search. And then, you know, like today I spoke to for her lunch and learn for the government and did that. And so people could find out more about me after that. It's really through internet search mainly. And then I also have the podcast. So there are different ways that I connect with people. So they can learn a little bit more about me. So I think it's really important when you're working with someone that you have a good personality fit. I'm not for everyone. I don't want to be for everyone and I can't be for everyone. But it's important to find someone where there's a good personality fit. Speaking of personalities, that is something I completely could agree with you, especially with my type of work as well. Uh, what is your style of working, and what type of personalities would have a higher success rate? I work with people, the uh, client that I seem to really be my sweet spot and work well with are people that have some kind of spiritual aspect to their lives whether they're interested in reading or learning more, they're interested in per personal growth, they're ready to make change. They know, hey, I'm stuck, I, 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 but I don't know what, what's the next step. I don't know how to get unstuck. So it's people who are, have a spiritual bent, who are ready to do the work and ready to change their life. That's really, to me, the, the basic components of a good fit. They know I've, I've got to change. I don't know what and let's, let's get going. And they, they want to work. They want to make change, and they're ready to do it. And that's the most exciting part, and seeing when they do the work, how their lives change. And what are the type of clients that would not be an ideal fit? Even though they reach out to you and they find you on their volition, are there any signals that let you know that uh, they're not quite ready as they think they are? Well, that's a really good question. Well, what I do is I offer a free 15-minute consultation, and I have people fill out a short assessment. So that tends to help me figure out, are we a good match for each other? And it's sometimes, you know, you don't know. Someone says they're ready. You know, I've, very rarely I've had people who weren't honest. And so if they're not honest, then I can't do anything about that. I would just say that they would they would need to do a little bit of, self-examination, be, am I really ready to do this? Am I really ready to move forward? And there's no shame in that if they aren't. And then, you know, maybe something like that is, well, let's talk about clearing your physical clutter, maybe if we're not ready to get to the harder inner work stuff yet. Uh, compared to the first time you and I crossed paths, you are the author of at least 10 books out. So how, what is the breakdown of the books? Because I noticed that you focus on the companion guides. You also have the journaling that helps people work day to day. Yeah, so I have my one book is called Clear Your Clutter Inside Now. And what that is, is that's 21 standalone chapters because I wanted people to be able to say, you know what, oh, I don't need to do this, but I need to start there. So they can really start anywhere in the book. And so it's chapters on clearing your physical clutter, your mental clutter, your emotional clutter, and your spiritual clutter. And then I have a bonus chapter on clearing energetic clutter. And each chapter, as I said, is self-contained. It gives you take action items at the end. And I also talk a little bit about goal setting. So that's a little more what I would call guided, a little more hand-holding. And then I did the companion guide with that. So as you're reading the book, whether it's on Kindle or on paper, you can follow along and record all of the stuff that you need to do to move forward. And there are also some questions I ask because I want, want to get you to think about things. And then the other amount to 14. So then the other 12 books are Got Clutter 365 Journal Prompts, 
And that you have the wisdom within. And when I work with someone, they know what's best. I see my job as supporting them and pulling out their wisdom. And so the journal prompt series I wanted to do because you know what's best for you. So we're going to sit down, we're going to ask you 365 questions, and then I also talk about how you can set goals, how you can move forward, give you action steps that you can take. So once you've answered the question, then the next step is, okay, I've answered all of these. What is it that I need to do to make change and to move forward? And something that I did that's unique, and I haven't seen in other journal books, not to say that it isn't out there because I haven't read everyone's journal books, but I have a little line with the lotus on each page. And so when people have clutter, they tend to be really overwhelmed. So once they've answered the question, they have the option of going back through and saying, what's most important from my answer? What did I learn the most from this question? And pulling that out and taking the essence and the most important valuable information as one other step to help them really narrow down and define what is it that's most important what action do I need to take to move forward? Because you also work with organizations, how do you approach helping businesses clean out their clutter? And what are some of the culprits that drive them to create it? Oh, that's a really good question. Again, everything is really individualized. I really like working with solopreneurs, small businesses, entrepreneurs. That gets me excited. You know, something might be I'm going to start working with someone soon and there's a lack of confidence. They don't feel confident in their business and so that creates clutter. So in addition to the organizing and the physical stuff, then usually this is going to come up and I'm coaching as the conversation's going. So maybe it's something like they need to get routines. You know, when we do routines, we can get things done more quickly. They help us create a schedule. So maybe they need to create a routine or maybe their files are out of order. Sometimes, you know, we said, oh, the computers, we're going to have everything on the computer. That's not the case. We still have a lot of paper. And so paper files is an area where people can really easily get stuck. And so it really depends on the individual, but maybe you're coming up with a process, like how do we do this? And, you know, I'm a huge fan of implementing routines and things like what are the monthly tasks as you were sharing that, you enjoy working with solopreneurs and individuals because you get to uh, witness their progress. Are there any extreme emotions that you get to witness because as they're parting with the literal, spiritual, physical clutter, there must be people who cry, there might be mm-hmm. anger, there might be different emotions that surface. All of those. And so I see my job is to hold space for them to express whatever they're feeling. And it's great that they are expressing their feelings because, you know, all emotions and feelings are stuck energy. And when we suppress those, they stay in our energy. You know, whether you believe in energy from a spiritual or physics perspective, everything is made of energy. And so when we can clear that out, when we can express that emotion, that's an amazing thing. And then people... You know, if they've got to scream or shout or cry, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, I can release it. I can let this go. I can move forward, and it's a good thing. From your personal life experiences, uh, is there any particular age range that happens to dominate the clutter space that needs attention? You know what? No, because it's really individualized. Most people I work are between 30 and 60s. 
are there any signs for uh, adults or parents to recognize that in their children? Because oftentimes, the, eventually by the time you get to our 30, between 30 to 60, we've inherited our environment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I'm a huge fan of is teaching kids early on to clear clutter and get organized. And more importantly, knowing what has value. Because if every, if you think everything is valuable, then nothing is valuable. How can it be? Because if everything's the same, then you'd never let go of anything. And so I think one, it's always important when you're able to, to instill these values in children. And then, you know, whatever happened to us in childhood is if it hasn't been resolved, will show up in adulthood. So for instance, if you as a kid, your parents came in and threw out all your stuff or cleared out your room without getting your permission, that can be incredibly traumatic. So you'd understand as an adult why you'd want to hold on to that. You know, I've also had a client who's in her 60s and was super close with her parents. And when they died, she kept all her stuff, but, you know, been in boxes for 20 years. She hadn't bothered to look at it. And, you know, I was like, your parents are on to the next adventure. They would want you to be happy. And I truly believe that. And I tell that to all my clients. And so that you can let it go. If it's not important or doesn't have value to you, release it. Because sitting in boxes for 20 years isn't doing you any good. And you, at the back of your head, you have that mental drip, 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 drip. Because you know it's there and it's clutter and you know you have to do something about it, yet you haven't. And so there's a constant reminder. So that's one thing, you know, and especially especially for younger kids these days, they don't want all the stuff from their parents. They're just, they're, they're moving and living lightly and they're just not interested in it. From your life journey, was there any physical item that you found it challenging to part with, but you knew it was the right thing to do? That's a really good question. My biggest thing and still to this day to let go of is books because I love to read. However, you know, I have one bookcase and so it's limited to that. And sometimes I'll cheat and, you know, the bookcase is filled and so I'll put some on top. But I try to be really judicious with that. And one thing that helps me is if you know that someone else needs this information now more than I do. And if I need the book again, it'll make its way back to me. You know, now there's things that if I use a reference all the time, of course, I'm not going to let those go. Like I'm studying plant medicine right now. So all those books are really important because they're part of my journey and my learning and my understanding. But that's probably the most challenging for me. Julie, you also happen to be a successful female entrepreneur. What are some lessons that you have learned from the day that you started out running your own business that you that I'm worth it I can't tell you how many people who said oh you know want discounted services don't discount yourself you have a skill you have a job and you need to make a living so charge what you're worth I think especially as women we find that really challenging I know I mentioned earlier I was able to figure out fairly early on I can't be everything to everyone and to understand that and to be okay with that and that it's okay to not take on a client. If we're not a good fit, then we shouldn't work together. I do myself a disservice as much as I do the client the disservice. So it's really knowing that you're worth knowing that what you do has value and the people that are meant to work with you will find you, you know, don't go 
I think a mistake people make is they feel like they have to work with everyone and they come from the scarcity mentality and that's not healthy. And, you know, if you get into the habit of building with other people in your area of service, because if you can't work with someone, why not refer them to someone that, that can? And I believe, you know, what you put out in life to get back. So if you refer someone, then that'll come back to you. Thank you for stressing those very valuable uh, nuggets. For those that are starting out in the field of entrepreneurship, do you have one or two tips other than the ones that you shared? For anyone yeah, who might I w- be on the cusp of, should I start a business or should I, am I better off working for someone else? I think I absolutely go for it would be my first advice, but plan. So prior to starting my business, like I got the website up, I did all my legal paperwork. And so while you're still employed and having a steady income, do what you can. Like I would start networking. You can do a business hour after hours event and start to get your feet wet and start to get going and start to meet people. I think that that's really important to kind of get all the structure in place, like having the website and, you know, depending on what it's doing, you know, you can work weekends or weeknights to get your business started. And then the other thing I would say is there is an organization called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, where retired business folks offer free advice. And that's something that's really valuable. And they each have their expertise. And when I started my business, that's what I used and got a lot of good advice. So that's the other thing I'd suggest. Up here in the U.S., I'm not sure if it's in other countries. They might have something similar, but uh, with a different name. But those are, are my two suggestions. What is the best business advice that you have received? Ooh, the best business advice I have received. I'll have to, oh, I don't know what it is, and it actually came from my brother, who is a, I'm a solopreneur, but he's a small business owner. And he told me to not waste my time with people who copy me. Now, I want to make a little bit of a distinction here. <laughs> Someone copied my website word for word, and I wrote him, and I said, if it's not down within a week, I'm going to take you to court. And I, you know, wrote the, it was the organizers association. They blew me off, whatever. But she took it down because she could tell her serious. So in something like that, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, when people take your ideas or whatever, don't give you credit it's probably going to happen. And if it's not at a serious level, don't waste your time and energy. Know that it's, that it's flattery because they think you're on to something. Because what I have found and believe, when people try to take your idea and who you are, it doesn't come off as well because it's not authentic. It's not who they are. And so don't spin your wheels trying to control all that. Again, with the caveat, unless it's something major, think, wow, I must be really good if that's what they're doing, and put your focus on being the best business person you can be. Because you're making an impact by going into people's very intimate uh, lives, especially with space, uh, how are you able to maintain uh, the beauty and the value of your personal space in the current times? Has anything changed compared to a year ago for you? You know what, the only thing, the big change is working at home more. So for me, that means clearing out my energetic clutter, saging more, 
doing that. But, you know, truthfully for me, it's been really great because I'm not spending any time driving. That means I'm getting out and able to walk more. I'm getting able to make sure I get my 10 minutes of deep breathing in, going in the backyard and just sitting out and watching the, the birds and the trees. So for me, it's been really helpful. And, you know, one thing is clearing my space, but clearing my own energetic clutter. I mentioned I started plant medicine and learning about that. And so kind of doing meditations with teas and things of that nature. So for me, you know, it's very important that I ground myself. I take good care of myself so that I can be the best to be able to support people. Referencing back to you sharing that you used to go visit people's homes. Out of curiosity, is there any particular room in the home that typically hosts the most clutter, in your opinion? You know what, that's, I would say, I would say one, I'm going to give you two. So one, the garage, because, or in someone else's home, it might be the basement or the attic, depending on what they have, because those tend to be dumping grounds. Oh, I don't know what to do with this, so I'm just going to put it in the garage. Oh, I'll deal with this later. I'm going to put it in the garage. And so those areas, because they're kind of out of sight, out of mind to some extent, tend to be where people will easily throw their clutter and then within rooms although I know the basement and attic and all that they're still in the house but they're a lot of times more out of the way it really is going to depend on the individual because if someone's overwhelmed in the kitchen then their kitchen's going to become full of clutter but so if I'd have to say I would say basements attics and garages because in the realm of Sasha talks we also focus on relationships even though you work with individuals how do you do you come across any circumstances where you're working with an individual they may have a partner or a, a husband or a wife and one person is a hoarder and the other person is I need everything out of my sight how are you mm-hmm. able to balance those type of economies that's a, I do that a lot and that and so again not hoarders because that's a special special circumstance but yeah definitely and it's interesting when they have kids too what kids pick up the traits and tend to be like one parent and that tends to be split as well too. And so what I tell people is the past is in the past. The present moment is our point of power to change and to focus and to move forward. And we're not enemies. We are to work as a team. So how are we going to move forward from this point on? And, you know, maybe the, the person who's got the clutter is going to step up the game, but also the person who's really uptight might have to take a step back and lower their standards. So for instance, you can, as a family, create rules for if you're all hang out in the living room, like, you know what, we're going to keep this pretty clutter-free. We're going to keep it organized. The kids can have some more leeway in their rooms, you know, and mom and dad can kind of stay out of that and let them do their thing, you know, reasonably. You don't want them having dirty dishes that sit there for a month and get all gross. And then, you know, if you're in a bedroom, like if you are a spouse that reads a lot and has magazines and books everywhere, step up your game and get something to contain all the clutter so it doesn't drive the other half crazy. But it's one of those things, I remind them, you know, why do you love this person? That's what we got to focus on. We all have things that drive us crazy about our, about our spouse. So come together and work as a team to work through it. And, on the Sasha Trust platform, we started the Authors by Sasha. As an author yourself, is there any book that you enjoy reading? And no matter how many, how much time passes, it's a book that you reference and implement in your life. 
Yeah, I mean, there are a couple. I would say The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz is phenomenal. It's a really short read, and I encourage everyone to read it because it's got a lot of great spiritual truths in there that I think are really important. And then for uh, another book that I love is Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. For whatever reason, that book really speaks to me. And I usually read it once a year or every two years, and I always discover something. I'm like, wow, I didn't remember that or I didn't notice that last time. And that book just brings me a lot of joy. So those are two. Thank you for sharing. Actually, two weeks ago, I finally watched that movie. And I told myself, you have to go back to it because there's a lot of wisdom in the uh, mm-hmm. content. And as we start to wrap things up, could you please share what your upcoming projects are and where people can find you? Absolutely. So we've got coming up, let's see, in April we're talking about, oh my gosh, in May I know I'm talking about challenges and life challenges such as bullying and injustice and being more resilient because that's part of it. Uh, and let's see, what did I do for April? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having a moment. I can't remember what I did for April, but um, I've got podcasts that you're going to have to just go and check it out. But if they go to reawakenyourbrilliance.com, they can find out more information. Julie, I'm very grateful that you are one of the godsend individuals out there uh, leaving a significant mark in people's lives because it's very important of how we invest in our spaces. It is a reflection of who we are, and I wish you really well, and hopefully we will cross paths again because I'm sure you're going to come out with more books. Thank you. That's the plan. I'm working on well, and I appreciate you and all you're doing to help authors and sharing your gifts with the world. Thank you, everyone. Please tune into Moving Mountains. Until next time, be good, be safe, be blessed.